Chapter Thirteen of Mrs. Dalloway. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Shasta, Oakland, California. Mrs. Dalloway by Virginia Woolf clarissa must speak to lady bruton no doubt it was forgotten now her book on the orchids of burma but it went into three editions before eighteen seventy she told peter she remembered him now he had been at Borden, and he had left her peter walsh remembered without a word in the drawing-room that night when clarissa had asked him to come boating richard so much enjoyed his lunch-party said clarissa to lady bruton richard was the greatest possible help lady bruton replied he helped me to write a letter and how are you oh perfectly well said clarissa lady bruton detested illness and the wives of politicians and there's peter walsh said lady bruton for she could never think of anything to say to clarissa though she liked her she had lots of fine qualities but they had nothing in common she and clarissa it might have been better if richard had married a woman with less charm who would have helped him more in his work he had lost his chance of the cabinet there's peter walsh she said shaking hands with that agreeable sinner that very able fellow who should have made a name for himself but hadn't always in difficulties with women and of course old miss perry wonderful old lady lady bruton stood by miss perry's chair a spectral grenadier draped in black inviting peter walsh to lunch cordial but without small talk remembering nothing whatever about the flora or fauna of india she had been there of course had stayed with three viceroys thought some of the indian civilians uncommonly fine fellows but what a tragedy it was the state of india the prime minister had just been telling her old miss perry huddled up in her shawl did not care what the prime minister had just been telling her and lady bruton would like to have peter walsh's opinion he being fresh from the centre and she would get sir sampson to meet him for really it prevented her from sleeping at night the folly of it the wickedness she might say being a soldier's daughter she was an old woman now not good for much but her house her servants her good friend milly brush did he remember her were all there only asking to be used if if they could be of help in short 
for she never spoke of england but this isle of men this dear dear land was in her blood without reading shakespeare and if ever a woman could have worn the helmet and shot the arrow could have led the troops to attack ruled with indomitable justice barbarian hordes or lain under a shield noseless in a church or made a green grass mound of some primeval hillside that woman was millicent bruton debarred by her sex and some truancy too of the logical faculty she found it impossible to write a letter to the times she had the thought of empire always at hand and had acquired from her association with that armored goddess her ramrod bearing her robustness of demeanor so that one could not figure her even in death parted from the earth or roaming territories over which in some spiritual shape the union jack had ceased to fly to be not english even among the dead no no impossible but was it lady bruton whom she used to know was it peter walsh grown gray lady roster asked herself who had been sally seaton it was old miss perry certainly the old aunt who used to be so cross when she stayed at burton never should she forget running along the passage naked and being sent for by miss perry and clarissa oh clarissa sally caught her by the arm clarissa stopped beside them but i can't stay she said i shall come later wait she said looking at peter and sally they must wait she meant until all these people had gone i shall come back she said looking at her old friends sally and peter who were shaking hands and sally remembering the past no doubt was laughing but her voice was wrung of its old ravishing richness her eyes not aglow as they used to be when she smoked cigars when she ran down the passage to fetch her sponge bag without a stitch of clothing on her and ellen atkins asked what if the gentleman had met her but everybody forgave her she stole a chicken from the larger because she was hungry in the night she smoked cigars in her bedroom she left a priceless book in the punt but everybody adored her except perhaps papa it was her warmth her vitality she would paint she would write old women in the village never to this day forgot to ask after your friend in the red cloak who seemed so bright she accused hugh whitbread of all people 
and there he was her old friend hugh talking to the portuguese ambassador of kissing her in the smoking-room to punish her for saying that women should have votes vulgar men did she said and clarissa remembered having to persuade her not to denounce him at family prayers which she was capable of doing with her daring her recklessness her melodramatic love of being the centre of everything and creating scenes and it was bound clarissa used to think to end in some awful tragedy her death her martyrdom instead of which she had married quite unexpectedly a bald man with a large buttonhole who owned it was said cotton mills at manchester and she had five boys she and peter had settled down together they were talking it seemed so familiar that they should be talking they would discuss the past with the two of them or even then with richard she shared her past the garden the trees old joseph Breakoff singing brahms without any voice the drawing-room wallpaper the smell of the mats a part of this sally must always be peter must always be but she must leave them there were the bradshaws whom she disliked she must go up to lady bradshaw in grey and silver balancing like a sea lion at the edge of its tank barking for invitations duchesses the typical successful man's wife she must go up to lady bradshaw and say but lady bradshaw anticipated her we are shockingly late dear mrs dalloway we hardly dared to come in she said and sir william who looked very distinguished with his gray hair and blue eyes said yes they had not been able to resist the temptation he was talking to richard about that bill probably which they wanted to get through the commons why did the sight of him talking to richard curl her up he looked what he was a great doctor a man absolutely at the head of his profession very powerful rather worn for think what cases came before him people in the utmost depths of misery people on the verge of insanity husbands and wives he had to decide questions of appalling difficulty yet what she felt was one wouldn't like sir william to see one unhappy no not that man how is your son at eton she asked lady bradshaw he had just missed his eleven said lady bradshaw because of the mumps his father minded even more than he did she thought being she said nothing but a great boy himself clarissa looked 
at sir william talking to richard he did not look like a boy not in the least like a boy she had once gone with someone to ask his advice he had been perfectly right extremely sensible but heavens what a relief to get out to the street again there was some poor wretch sobbing she remembered in the waiting-room but she did not know what it was about sir william what exactly she disliked only richard agreed with her didn't like his taste didn't like his smell but he was extraordinarily able they were talking about this bill some case sir william was mentioning lowering his voice it had its bearing upon what he was saying about the deferred effects of shell-shock there must be some provision in the bill sinking her voice drawing mrs dalloway into the shelter of a common femininity a common pride in the illustrious qualities of husbands and their sad tendency to overwork lady broadshaw poor goose one didn't dislike her murmured now just as we were starting my husband was called up on the telephone a very sad case a young man that is what sir william is telling mr galloway had killed himself he had been in the army oh thought clarissa in the middle of my party here's death she thought she went on in, into the little room where the prime minister had gone with lady bruton perhaps there was somebody there but there was nobody the chairs still kept the impress of the prime minister and lady bruton she turned deferentially he sitting foursquare authoritatively they had been talking about india there was nobody the party's splendor fell to the floor so strange it was to come in here alone in her finery what business had the bradshaws to talk of death at her party a young man had killed himself and they talked of it at her party the bradshaws talked of death he had killed himself but how always her body went through it first when she was told suddenly of an accident her dress flamed her body burnt he had thrown himself from a window up had flashed the ground through him blundering bruising went the rusty spikes there he lay with a thud 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 in his brain and then a suffocation of blackness so she saw it but why had he done it and the bradshaws talked of it at her party she had once thrown a shilling into the serpentine never anything more but he had flung it away they went on living 
she would have to go back the rooms were still crowded people kept on coming they all day she had been thinking of burton of peter of sally they would grow old a thing there was that mattered a thing wreathed about with chatter defaced obscured in her own life let drop every day in corruption lies chatter this he had preserved death was defiance death was an attempt to communicate people feeling the impossibility of reaching the center which mystically evaded them closeness drew apart rapture faded one was alone there was an embrace in death but this young man who had killed himself had he plunged holding his treasure if it were now to die were now to be most happy she had said to herself once coming down in white or there were the poets and thinkers suppose he had had that passion had had gone to sir william bradshaw a great doctor yet to her obscurely evil without sex or lust extremely polite to women but capable of some indescribable outrage forcing your soul that was it if this young man had gone to him and sir william had impressed him like that with his power might he not then have said indeed she felt it now life is made intolerable they make life intolerable men like that then she had felt it only this morning there was the terror the overwhelming incapacity one's parents giving it into one's hands this life to be lived to the end to be walked with serenely there was in the depths of her heart an awful fear even now quite often if richard had not been there reading the times so that she could crouch like a bird and gradually revive since roaring up that immeasurable delight rubbing stick to stick one thing with another she must have perished but that young man had killed himself somehow it was her disaster her disgrace it was her punishment to see sink and despair here a man there a woman in this profound darkness and she forced to stand here in her evening dress she had schemed she had pilfered she was never wholly admirable she had wanted success lady bexborough and the rest of it and once she had walked on the terrace at burton it was due to richard she had never been so happy nothing could be slow enough nothing last too long no pleasure could equal she thought 
straightening the chairs pushing in one book on the shelf then having done with the triumphs of youth lost herself in the process of living to find it with a shock of delight as the sun rose as the day sank many a time she had gone at burton when they were all talking to look at the sky or seen it between people's shoulders at dinner seen it in london when she could not sleep she walked to the window it held foolish as the idea was something of her own in it this country sky this sky above westminster she parted the curtains she looked oh but how surprising in the room opposite the old lady stared straight at her she was going to bed and the sky it will be a solemn sky she had thought it will be a dusky sky turning away its cheek in beauty but there it was ashen pale raced over quickly by tapering vast clouds that was new to her the wind must have risen she was going to bed in the room opposite it was fascinating to watch her moving about that old lady crossing the room coming to the window could she see her it was fascinating with people still laughing and shouting in the drawing-room to watch that old woman quite quietly going to bed she pulled the blind now the clock began striking the young man had killed himself but she did not pity him with the clock striking the hour one two three she did not pity him with all this going on there the old lady had put out her light the whole house was dark now with this going on she repeated and the words came to her fear no more the heat of the sun she must go back to them but what an extraordinary night she felt somehow very like him the young man who had killed himself she felt glad that he had done it thrown it away the clock was striking the leaden circles dissolved in the air he made her feel the beauty made her feel the fun she must go back she must assemble she must find sally and peter and she came in from the little room but where's clarissa said peter he was sitting on the sofas with sally after all these years he really could not call her lady rossiter where's the woman gone to he asked where's clarissa sally supposed and so did peter for the matter at that that there were people of importance politicians whom neither of them knew unless by sight and the picture papers whom clarissa had to be nice to 
had to talk to she was with them yet there was richard dalloway not in the cabinet he hadn't been a success sally supposed for herself she scarcely ever read the papers she sometimes saw his name mentioned but then well she lived a very solitary life in the wilds clarissa would say among great merchants great manufacturers men after all who did things she had done things too i have five sons she told him lord lord what a change had come over her the softness of motherhood its egotism too last time they met peter remembered had been among the cauliflowers in the moonlight the leaves like rough bronze she had said with her literary turn and she had picked a rose she had marched him up and down that awful night after the scene by the fountain he was to catch the midnight train heavens he had wept that was his old trick opening a pocket-knife thought sally always opening and shutting a knife when he got excited they had been very very intimate she and peter walsh when he was in love with clarissa and there was that dreadful ridiculous scene over richard dalloway at lunch she had called richard wickham why not call richard wickham clarissa had flared up and indeed they had never seen each other since she and clarissa not more than half a dozen times perhaps in the last ten years and peter walsh had gone off to india and she had heard vaguely that he had made an unhappy marriage and she didn't know whether he had any children and she couldn't ask him for he had changed he was rather shrivel-looking but kinder she felt and she had a real affection for him for he was connected with her youth and she still had a little emily bronte he had given her and he was to write surely in those days he was to write have you written she asked him spreading her hand her firm and shapely hand on her knee in a way he recalled not a word said peter walsh and she laughed she was still attractive still a personage sally seaton but who was this rossiter he wore two camellias on his wedding day that was all peter knew of him they have myriads of servants miles of conservatories clarissa wrote something like that sally owned it with a shout of laughter yes i have ten thousand a year whether before the tax was paid or after she couldn't remember for her husband whom you must meet she said whom you would like she said did all that for her and sally 
used to be in rags and tatters she had pawned her grandmother's ring which marie antoinette had given her great-grandfather to come to burton oh yes sally remembered she had it still a ruby ring which marie antoinette had given her great-grandfather she never had a penny to her name in those days and going to burton always meant some frightful pinch but going to burton had meant so much to her had kept her sane she believed so unhappy had she been at home but that was all a thing of the past all over now she said and mr perry was dead and miss perry was still alive never had he had such a shock in his life said peter he had been quite certain she was dead and the marriage had been sally supposed a success and that very handsome very self-possessed woman was elizabeth over there by the curtains in red she was like a poplar she was like a river she was like a hyacinth willie titcombe was thinking oh how much nicer to be in the country and do what she liked she could hear her poor dog howling elizabeth was certain she was not a bit like clarissa peter rolf said oh clarissa said sally what sally felt was simply this she had owed clarissa an enormous amount they had been friends not acquaintances friends and she saw and she still saw clarissa all in white going about the house with her hands full of flowers to this day tobacco plants made her think of burton but did peter understand she lacked something lacked what was it she had charm she had extraordinary charm but to be frank and she felt that peter was an old friend a real friend did absence matter did distance matter she had often wanted to write to him but torn it up yet felt he understood for people understand without things being said as one realizes growing old and old she was had been that afternoon to see her sons at eton where they had the mumps to be quite frank then how could clarissa have done it married richard dalloway a sportsman a man who cared only for dogs literally when he came into the room he smelt of the stables and then all this she waved her hand hugh whitbread it was strolling past in his white waistcoat dim fat blind past everything he looked except self-esteem and comfort he's not going to recognize us said sally and really she hadn't the courage so that was hugh the admirable hugh and what does he do she asked peter 
he blacked the king's boots or counted bottles at windsor peter told her peter kept his sharp tongue still but sally must be frank peter said that kiss now hughes on the lips she assured him in the smoking room one evening she went straight to clarissa in a rage hugh didn't do such things clarissa said the admirable hugh hugh's socks were without exception the most beautiful she had ever seen and now his evening dress perfect and he had children everybody in the room has six sons at Eton. peter told her except himself he thanked god he had none no sons no daughters no wife well he didn't seem to mind said sally he looked younger she thought than any of them but it had been a silly thing to do in many ways peter said to marry like that a perfect goose she was he said but he said we had a splendid time of it but how could that be sally wondered what did he mean and how odd it was to know him and yet not know a single thing that had happened to him and did he say it out of pride very likely for after all it must be galling for him though he was an oddity a sort of sprite not at all an ordinary man it must be lonely at his age to have no home nowhere to go but he must stay with them for weeks and weeks of course he would he would love to stay with them and that was how it came out all these years the delaways had never been once time after time they had asked them clarissa for it was clarissa of course would not come for said sally clarissa was in heart a snob one had to admit it a snob and it was that that was between them she was convinced clarissa thought she had married beneath her her husband being she was proud of it a miner's son every penny they had he had earned as a little boy her voice trembled he had carried great sacks and so she would go on peter felt hour after hour the miner's son people thought she had married beneath her her five sons and what was the other thing plants hydrangeas syringas very very rare hibiscus lilies that never grow north of the suez canal but she with one gardener in a suburb near manchester had beds of them positively beds now all that clarissa had escaped unmaternal as she was a snob was she yes in many ways where was she all this time it was getting late yet said sally 
when i heard clarissa was giving a party i felt i couldn't not come must see her again and i'm staying in victoria street practically next door so i just came without an invitation but she whispered tell me do who is this it was mrs hillbury looking for the door for how late it was getting and she murmured as the night grew later as people went one found old friends quiet nooks and corners and the loveliest views did they know she asked that they were surrounded by an enchanted garden lights and trees and wonderful gleaming lakes and the sky just a few fairy lamps clarissa dalloway had said in the back garden but she was a magician it was a park and she didn't know their names but friends she knew they were friends without names songs without words always the best but there were so many doors such unexpected places she could not find her way old mrs hillbury said peter but who was that that lady standing by the curtain all the evening without speaking he knew her face connected her with burton surely she used to cut up underclothes at the large table in the window davidson was that her name oh that is ellie henderson said sally clarissa was really very hard on her she was a cousin very poor clarissa was hard on people she was rather said peter yet said sally in her emotional way with a rush of that enthusiasm which peter used to love her for yet dreaded a little now so effusive she might become how generous to her friends clarissa was and what a rare quality one found it and how sometimes at night or on christmas day when she counted up her blessings she put that friendship first they were young that was it clarissa was pure-hearted that was it peter would think her sentimental so she was for she had come to feel that it was the only thing worth saying what one felt cleverness was silly one must say simply what one felt but i do not know said peter wells what i feel poor peter thought sally why did not clarissa come and talk to them that was what he was longing for she knew it all the time he was thinking only of clarissa and was fidgeting with his knife he had not found life simple peter said his relations with clarissa had not been simple it had spoilt his life he said they had been so intimate he and sally seaton it was absurd not to say it one could not be in love twice he said 
and what could she say still it is better to have loved but he would think her sentimental he used to be so sharp he must come and stay with them in manchester that is all very true he said all very true he would love to come and stay with them directly he had done what he had to do in london and clarissa had cared for him more than she had ever cared for richard sally was positive positive of that no 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 said peter sally should not have said that she went too far that good fellow there he was at the end of the room holding forth the same as ever dear old richard who was he talking to sally asked that very distinguished-looking man living in the wilds as she did she had an insatiable curiosity to know who people were but peter did not know he did not like his looks he said probably a cabinet minister of them all richard seemed to him the best he said the most disinterested but what has he done sally asked public work she supposed and were they happy together sally asked she herself was extremely happy for she admitted she knew nothing about them only jumped to conclusions as one does for what can one know even of the people one lives with every day she asked are we not all prisoners she had read a wonderful play about a man who scratched on the wall of his cell and she had felt that was true of life one scratched on the wall despairing of human relationships people were so difficult she often went into her garden and got from her flowers a piece which men and women never gave her but no he did not like cabbages he preferred human beings peter said indeed the young are beautiful sally said watching elizabeth cross the room how unlike clarissa at her age could he make anything of her she would not open her lips not much not yet peter admitted she was like a lily sally said a lily by the side of a pool but peter did not agree that we know nothing we know everything he said at least he did but these two sally whispered these two coming now and really she must go if clarissa did not come soon this distinguished-looking man and his rather common-looking wife who had been talking to richard what could one know about people like that that they're damnable humbugs said peter looking at them casually he made sally laugh but sir william bradshaw stopped at the door to look at a picture he looked in the corner for the engraver's name 
his wife looked too sir william bradshaw was so interested in art when one was young said peter one was too much excited to know people now that one was old fifty-two to be precise sally was fifty-five in body she said but her heart was like a girl's of twenty now that one was mature then said peter one could watch one could understand and one did not lose the power of feeling he said no that is true said sally she felt more deeply more passionately every year it increased he said alas perhaps but one should be glad of it it went on increasing in his experience there was someone in india he would like to tell sally about her he would like sally to know her she was married he said she had two small children they must all come to manchester said sally he must promise before they left there's elizabeth he said she feels not half what we feel not yet but said sally watching elizabeth go to her father one can see they are devoted to each other she could feel it by the way elizabeth went to her father for her father had been looking at her as he stood talking to the bradshaws and he had thought to himself who is that lovely girl and suddenly he realized that it was his elizabeth and he had not recognized her she looked so lovely in her pink frock elizabeth had felt him looking at her as she talked to willie titcomb so she went to him and they stood together now that the party was almost over looking at the people going and the rooms getting emptier and emptier with things scattered on the floor even ellie henderson was going nearly last of all though no one had spoken to her but she had wanted to see everything to tell edith and richard and elizabeth were rather glad it was over but richard was proud of his daughter and he had not meant to tell her but he could not help telling her he had looked at her he said and he had wondered who is that lovely girl and it was his daughter that did make her happy but her poor dog was howling richard has improved you are right said sally i shall go and talk to him i shall say good night what does the brain matter said lady rossiter getting up compared with the heart i will come said peter but he sat on for a moment what is this terror what is this ecstasy he thought to himself what is it that fills me with extraordinary excitement it is clarissa he said for there she was end of chapter thirteen end of mrs dalloway by virginia wolfe